Welcome to this episode of Complete Cricket Podcast, hosted by me, Amanash Adarsan, and Zaid Ahmed. Today, as the T20 World Cup is going on, we'll look at the first four matches of the Super 12s, which is sort of like the second round, and then how they went and look at the key moments. We'll, of course, spend some time looking at the extremely exciting India-Pakistan match, which was as good as all the India-Pakistan matches usually are, but this one had an even more tense final than usual. And it was host to a Virat Kohli masterclass. We'll look at that towards the end, so stay tuned to that. Uh, to listen to that also next week's episode is our 50th episode i can't believe it's been 50 you know that's nearly a year so we'll be having a special guest on the episode next sunday to dissect how all 12 teams were performed in the super 12s so far so check that out next sunday anyway we did mention last episode that there was a poll that we created and we have got the results to that so the results are you guys think that australia will win the world cup followed by india and pakistan I sort of doubt that now because after the Australia's performance versus New Zealand, which we are just about to touch on, but you know, I, I think I think everyone thought initially that Australia would win. They could still win, but you know, they got pretty much hammered by Australia. So before we actually go on to Australia and New Zealand, I think it's important to look at the um group stage and who made it through, who didn't. Zaid, there were two there, there, there was a major upset in the um World Cup. There's a quite tense final as well for um who would qualify for the Super 12s. Let's start with West Indies. What did you feel about them not qualifying? I mean, it was shocking, really. And they ended up coming last in their group uh, because of net run rate. I mean, to be honest, it was quite a poor performance from the West Indies. I mean, the team that uh, have won the World Cup twice in 2016 and I think 2012 or something. Um, That team has, obviously it's different players, but... West Indies have not qualified this year and it's remarkable really and I mean just looking at the other teams in their group Scotland, Ireland and Zimbabwe to be honest West Indies should have, should have been beating them I mean their bowling attack um, the bowling attack was pretty decent I think their batting just didn't fire at all in the three matches um, their captain struggled and I mean at, at the end when Nicholas Puran came up to, to, to an interview um, he, he was he was disgusted I mean I think I remember um the interviewer, he was asking some questions. He was asking, you know, what positives could you take out? And Nicholas Burke could only talk about the negatives. And, I mean, it was quite a shocking experience to watch. I mean, I can't believe it that West Indies haven't qualified. Yeah, I just, I don't think there was any elements of, like, you know, West Indian cricket as such. Like, you know, I, I just, I didn't feel like they're, you know, how they, they're known to play. There was nothing, there was nothing there. And I just thought that it was really disappointing because... You know, we know that there are talents in the team. It's not as if it's a team without any talent, but no one really fired. Even in the bowling attack, I just didn't think, you know, when you're playing against teams that you can't, you'd say that they won't be the forefront of international cricket. You should really be able to, like, you know, sort of suppress them and then ch- if you're going to bowl first, you know, uh, reduce them to small totals and chase them down quickly. But they just didn't really do that. And I think it's just a bit disappointing overall. And it was a real shocker because, you know, West Indies ranked seventh in the uh, the T20I ranking. So they're not, you know, you, you sort of expect them to to qualify for the Super 12s, but they didn't manage to. And um, Sri Lanka, to be fair, also, who were one of the other big teams who were in the Super 12s, didn't, yeah, have the best start. They lost their first game, but they did manage to qualify. I think they were top of their group. Um, so how did you feel about Sri Lanka's uh, um, Super, uh, sorry, group stages and, and how, they, how they performed? Well, yeah, after they won the Asia Cup, it was, I mean, you could have probably assumed they are going to qualify. I mean, they did They did have to fight for it in the end a bit. Um, as you mentioned, they, they lost in their first game to Namibia. 
maybe didn't end up qualifying, but Sri Lanka, I mean, after the first game, I think they put put out two very strong performances against Netherlands and UAE. Um, at the game against Netherlands, it could have been lost. Uh, Max O'Dowd, I think, played well in that for Netherlands. But overall, I think, apart from that first game, I think Sri Lanka stumbled in that first game. But I think the other two games, they, they, they actually showed, um, they, they, I mean, they've got fire in their bowling attack. They've got some really promising batsmen. So overall, I think it looks a promising team. They just need to make sure they 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 don't stumble. You know, I mean, they stumble against Namibia, so they want to make sure that they're able to play the teams that are able to show some competitive cricket. You know, they're against uh, England, New Zealand, and Australia. But overall, it looks, it looks like a very promising team. Yeah, I thought obviously, yeah, forget about the first game, and considering they won the Age Cup, also they had a uh, they had a match. Um, they we we are we can we can actually talk about it now, but they played Ireland for their first uh, match of the Super Twelves, and they restricted Ireland to one twenty eight for eight or something like that. It was something very small and chased it down with I think five overs to spare. So really, you know, strong performance, and and I think it showed elements of you know how good Sri Lanka are, like that their their performances, how how good uh, they can be at their top. Because they, you know, their batting was was pretty much faultless. There was power. There was, you know, they didn't really let the Irish bowlers settle. And then, in order to restrict Ireland to one twenty eight, that their bowlers just constantly kept taking wickets, kept putting pressure. It didn't let Ireland, you know, take a step forward and and have and play any like significant innings. And that's that's something that you need if you're going to play against good teams. But we've got to bear in mind that. They've got to be able to do this against all the teams. In their group, they've also got three semi-finalists from last year, Australia, New Zealand, England, and Afghanistan, who are very good at T20 cricket. So, you know, this is one win, but they're gonna if if they want to stand any chance of qualifying semis, they've got to win to, they've got to win a few more matches. But yeah, going on to um uh now we're going on to the super twelves in, in a bit more detail. Um looking at the first match, uh well, I think for me probably most of the biggest shocker of the match, of all, all the first four matches. Australia, New Zealand. Zay, tell us how that played a part played a part. Yeah, so New Zealand batted first and they had a very it was a stunning game actually. Um Devin Conway batted really well. He ended up getting 92 not out. And New Zealand um with 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 help you know from Conway, they fit out at the start with some really good you know powerful batting um, that they end up getting to two hundred for three off their twenty overs, and then Australia they just they just couldn't really get going with their batting. I mean, New Zealand, their bowling attack was very strong. They just didn't, you know, they never let Australia off the hook. Um, they ended up stumbling to one hundred eleven all out. So New Zealand crushing victory in the first game of the Super Twelves, and they won by eighty nine runs. Yeah, it was um. <clears throat> I was it was pretty shocking, you know. You don't expect um Australia, you know, uh, with their within being home conditions and also with their powerful batting and bowling lineups, you don't expect them to lose by eighty nine runs or to be one hundred eleven all out. And I think it was it was interesting how it played out. I think I think they just for me, I think it was the opening opening partnership between Conway and Finn Allen, who scored forty two of sixteen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, so he scored forty two of sixteen. And that that was that really put pressure on all the bowlers, and from then on they just lost momentum. You know, if if you don't if you don't win over the power play, then whoever wins over the power play usually uh, it gives them a better step into going through the middle overs and then into the death overs. I think that because Australia they lost the power play and already were going more than ten over by the end of the power play, they were just under so much pressure that 
it just didn't work. And a 200 for three was actually, to seem for New Zealand at the time, a pretty realistic score. It wasn't very, it wasn't difficult because the Australian bowlers didn't really have any, you know, they they, they would seem quite toothless. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the beginning, before the game started, uh, a lot of people would have thought the pitch didn't really seem like a 200 pitch. Now, as the game, as first innings went on, you know, the way the two openers and you know, all the batsmen, they um they took down the Australian bowling attack and I mean we we I think we both agreed before before the tournament then that um Australia's pace trio Josh Hazelwood Stark um and Pat Cummings would would be you know maybe the biggest you know most lethal trio in the tournament and they've just been taken down I mean they all went I think around ten over nine ten over and that that's just not what you expect from the your Australian fast bowlers who are playing in Australia so they should have experience so yeah I mean the bowling attack was pretty toothless um, and you know, even their batting they, they just couldn't really get going at all in that yeah I just thought that you know you, you sort of you, you expect more from an Australian team with with the, with the names that they have in them and I think you know we, we talked about the bowling the bowling bowling order you know their trio pace trio being very strong and in terms of batting I'm just so shocked how they, you know, lost that many wickets so quickly. I, they were, they weren't. It, it was, it started. The wickets were quite consistent. They just kept falling and falling. There wasn't. There were even people like okay, Maxwell. I think even Mitch Mars tried to try to you know hit out of it and try and wrestle back the momentum. But you know the the New Zealand bowlers just kept kept um you know coming and coming. And I think there has to be a mention to the spinners, um, Ish Sodi and Mitch Santner. They really put pressure on. The Australian batsmen, they didn't give anything for them to work with. Well, to be fair, Mitch Sadler did, but that was with intent. He, you know, he floated outside off just to get the batsmen reaching, and you know, he he took wickets. It showed he was the opposite, you know, tight line on the stumps and you know, really hitting the stumps so that you know, the Australian batsmen had nothing to work with, and therefore they just couldn't score runs. But still, I, I think that you know, if you have quality batsmen, there's not really too much of an excuse. But I, th- I think that was just a real shocker from uh, from Australia. I, d- I don't think we can expect that. How do you think the Australia the cab the Australian cab are going to be feeling? You know, going into their next match, which I think is with Sri Lanka, and considering Sri Lanka have won the Asia Cup and they've done, they had a good performance against Ireland. What what do you what are your, what are your looks on the outcome of the Australia Sri Lanka match? I mean, you know, Australia, they'll be a bit down off that game. They wouldn't really expect to have lost it. And even if they did, they wouldn't have expected to lose that by such a massive margin. Um, And I think in the next game against Sri Lanka, they've just got to be careful here. Because, I mean, the tournament may feel long, you know, about a month. But actually, you know, the games come and go. I mean, it's five games for each each, uh, team in the Super 12s. And... You know, um, Australia have already lost their first one, so they need to be careful. I think, um, I mean, I, I, I still back Australia to win the next game. Uh, after that game, I don't think really they're going to win the World Cup now. But um, I think in the, the Sri Lanka game, they can't. They, I mean, I'll, I'll probably expect them to win. I still think they can win that. Um, but then they just need to be careful. I mean, we talked about Sri Lanka. They, they have, they're a very promising side and they've got, they've got some fiery pace bowlers from very good batsmen. Uh, so I think, Australia they just need to get their, get themselves together and make and just put out their best possible performance against Sri Lanka. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think 
that they have a chance of winning, but it's it's just not looking as good as Brighton it did before. But remember, yeah, there is there are more matches to come. Like there 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 are a lot more matches to come, so they've got time to improve. And even if they lost their first one, as long as it, as long as a repeat of last year didn't really happen, where they they lost quite a few and they had to win all of their last couple, and then they somehow qualify for the semi-finals just I think on net run rate beating South Africa to the qualification. Uh, and then they then they won the, the way we somehow managed to, you know, they, the two good performances in the semis and finals managed to let, uh, help them win. But you don't want to r- run that risk again. So I think they want to have a good start in the, um, in the, uh, groups, in the group, in the super 12s rather than, you know, saving it all for the semifinals or the finals. Anyway, moving on to another match in, in that same group, Afghanistan, England. When you look at the two teams on paper, you think England are, you know, outright favourites, and they did win by a, a a convincing margin. But it was the match is actually closer than you'd expected. Zaid, how did this match play out? So this match, um, Afghanistan, they batted first, and they stumbled to one hundred and twelve all out. Um, they had two balls to spare, and Sam Curran bowled extremely well with figures of five for ten, um, in three point four overs. Then England, I mean, they came to bat and they probably knew they were going to win from the start of their innings. But, I mean, no one really expected that. But everyone probably would have thought, I mean, they'd probably win with quite a few overs to go. They only won by with 11 balls to go. Um, and, you know, none of the batsmen really were able to, uh, you know, get a strong before. They weren't, none of the batsmen were able to fire properly and get out of the block holes in Afghanistan. Credit to them, they they bowled pretty well. So England did they did win by five wickets, but it could have been a more convincing win. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I think that it was testament to uh so starting with England and um, England's bowling when Afghanistan back, you know, it was testament to England's bowling that they managed to you know get Afghanistan all out for one hundred and twelve, which is you know less than six and over. It's pretty, it's pretty measly, and you know they. Bowling just all all of England's bowling really fired. Uh, maybe with the exception of Adam Rashid, who's a touch expensive. And uh, you know he's been sort of on that. He's not been on the best of form recently. But Sam Curran five for ten of three point four. You know what kind of figures are those? It's, for a T twenty, that's crazy. You know he he's been. You know Sam Curran is basically your utility player. He does everything. You know he he can open the bowling. He can swing it into the um the right hander. You know he also can bowl death overs. He can bowl the middle overs, and he he bowls anywhere, and he still takes wickets. And um he he's been in you know really good form recently, and I think that you know Sam Curran's really cemented his place in the team. But you know where would you? Because I think England used him in this match. I think towards the end and in the middle overs, where would you want to utilize um? Sam Curran, especially if you don't have Reese Topley or Dave Willey playing. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think I would probably want him to open the bowling. Um, I mean, Ben Stokes opened the bowling. He bowled four overs. He bowled well, but I mean, I think Ben Stokes, I want to utilise him more as the batsman. I don't want to overload him with too much. So I would have him bowling uh, a little bit, not too much, but I'd have him bowling in the middle somewhere. And then I'd probably go with Sam Curran and Chris Wokes to open the bowling. Sam Curran, firstly, you know, he get he gives you that left arm option. As you mentioned, he does everything. He, he can swing the ball back in. Uh, he, he he I mean he, he I think he'll be quite he could be lethal with the new ball. So um after that I I kinda want him to open bowling with Chris Wokes and then Mark Wood with all his pace coming in later with Stokes and then Ado Rashid uh can bowl some spin. Um I just think 
Sam Curran, he he bowled. Um, he was the fourth bowler used. I don't agree with that. Uh, I I'm just confused why Ben Stokes really opened the bowling. I think I think I just think Sam Curran should really open the bowling. See, I I think I get what you mean. You know, Ben Stokes isn't a bowler, but. You know, it worked, right? You know, uh, Ben Stokes took uh, two wickets. Sam Curran took a fiver. And if Ben Stokes can bowl and he bowls well, shouldn't should we shouldn't we be bowling him? Should we not really be worrying about? You know, he says he can manage. He has like a, you know, he's been having um knee knee issues like for for a while. And he says he manages it, and it's all you know. There's nothing wrong. It's all good. Uh, and he it's it's all going fine. So do you think we should really be looking at like if if Ben Stokes is proving effective as a bowler and doing well? Do you not think we should just be you know, championing that and just encouraging him to you know to um you know keep bowling and rather than like saying suggesting that he shouldn't bowl. I mean, well, well, considering I mean they played Afghanistan when they when they I mean think I think they have Ireland next and Australia, but when they play the big teams like Australia or New Zealand, those sorts of teams aren't really going to find Ben Stokes a huge threat. I mean, for example, like if we if we had. Let's say if if we're looking at, for example, Trent Bolt or a um, Mitchell Stark. I mean, I don't think Ben Stokes is sort of like that. So I, I just think when they do come, I think, I mean, yeah, it did work this time against Afghanistan. But when they do play a team like Australia or New Zealand, who are, well, New Zealand are in great form at this point. So I, I just think Ben Stokes, he won't really prove to be a huge threat. He can be, and he's, he's a very good bowler. But I think, I would still want Sam Curran to open open the bowling, um, and just to allow that variety, you know, help uh, help out Chris Boats at the top as well. Um, I just think Ben Stokes he isn't really gonna have that, you know, big X factor threat to the opposition, and then, you know, you really want to start well with your two opening bowlers. You want you want your two best bowlers or your two best fast bowlers maybe to come on and bowl and you know really prove a threat to those big teams like Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think he can be used sparingly, but if he, you know, if we do need him, let's say our bowling bowling attack is is not good enough, and it's just it it's not um performing. Uh, bowlers getting hit everywhere. I think he's a vital asset to have because you know he can bowl a couple of overs, even four overs, and he can bowl to some effect. So I think, but either way, I think you know for in with his performance, there's no question on um. On uh, there's no question on England's uh, bowling attack. It's more that the questions on the batting, right? There's, the batting is doesn't look, you know, doesn't look as strong as we've seen it. It no one really hit, you know, actually had some timing and you know played played a range of shots. Do you just think this is just like a one time blip, or do you think, uh, you know, we've seen England have some commanding performances before the World Cup? Do you would you just take this like as a win on the face of it and not worry about the batting, or would you, you know, slightly be concerned about the batting? Um, with, with someone like Josh Butler or Alex Hales, I wouldn't be concerned about them. Uh, I think for majority of these batsmen, I think it's just a one-off. But the only one I would be a little concerned, well, I would be talking about right now is David Milan. Because in that innings, I mean, he got 18 from 30. That's a, that's a strike rate of 60. And that is, I mean, that's not really good enough in an ODI as well. I mean, in 50 of a game, 18 or 30 isn't good enough. This is, you're playing T20 cricket. Um... And Darren Milan, he's playing in, in the country that suits him most. I mean, he has his best records in Australia. And he, now here he is now against Afghanistan, playing in his best in the best condition in the conditions he bats best in. And he's got 18 of 30. I think 
really, I hope that's one off. But I think he in that innings just didn't really look like. But he obviously, he obviously couldn't get going. Um, but I think at some points he just didn't even try. I think he just didn't show enough intent at some points. Um, but the, I think uh, as a whole, I think England's batting. I think I don't think there's any, I don't think um, they should be too worried. I think it's just really down Milan. Uh, if he's if he's gonna be sort of the anchor, he still has to show a little bit more intent. Also, considering he, he he's playing, he's batting in the conditions that suit him most. Yeah, I think that in terms of intent, there was generally lack of intent in the English in the England team. You know, there's a lot of talk about net run rate and how that's really important when you've got three semi finalists. You know, from last year's World Cup vying for two spots in the semi finals this year. You know. How, do you think England is this a missed opportunity to increase their net run rate? You know, we see New Zealand already start with a big, like more than a net run rate of more than four. Sri Lanka have a, a quite a big net run rate. Do you think that you know England have missed out on an opportunity to increase their net run rate, and or do you think you know there there are more opportunities to come, so there's not really much to worry about? Well, yeah, there are other opportunities to come. I mean, I think they've got Ireland upcoming. So they can look to, obviously, they need to make sure they win first, but then they can look to push their net run rate there. But I think they have missed out on a huge opportunity here because, I mean, who else are you really going to try and push a net run rate against? Perhaps Sri Lanka, but they're still a good team. New Zealand and Australia, you just really want to win that and not really think about net run rate there. It's, I think they've really missed out on a, you know, their net, net run rate could have been, you know, massive at this point. Um I just think, yeah, they have definitely missed out. They they really need to, and they shouldn't be too worried to be honest. So they still they they got the points. That's that's the first thing. Uh, that's the main thing you want to look at. So they, I think they just really need to put a huge performance against Ireland and try and win that by a huge margin, and then boost their net run rate there. But I think, yeah, they have. I think they have missed out on on a chance to improve their net run rate here. Yeah, I think it could be it could be fatal. You know, coming. For but then they have opportunities, like you said, it should have even against better teams. You know, look at New Zealand playing against Australia, that, that might have been like a one off, but it's still a good performance. So, if England put in a good performance with their batting and bowling, they can improve their net run rate in like in, in other matches. But it's you know, it is, a, is a, it looks like an opportunity miss. So, last match we're going to talk about arguably the, the most exciting match of the first uh, the Super 12 t- of the T20 World Cup 2022 weekend, and it was India Pakistan, you know. It, it it was it was a classic really like you know india pakistan matches always get hyped up and always you know uh, are full of either contra- controversy or or they're very interesting in terms of the quality play of the cricket and this match had a bit of both zaid how did this match play play out oh it was an absolutely brilliant game um pakistan they batted first they stumbled a lot at the beginning uh, like bubba Azam, he was he was out for golden duck they did recover later um in the middle um, Sean Masood bad well, Iftikhar Ahmed bad well, uh, and they ended up getting to 159 for eight, which is you know you could say a little bit under par, but I think in a big crunch game like this, you know it ain't it's not easy um uh, to to get those you know 160 runs and it it, it proved difficult. India um came they 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 were 70 for two I think at one point um they were really struggling then Virat Kohli came uh Hardik Pandya you know they had a good punch in the middle. And India ended up winning right at the end. Um, they ended up chasing it down uh, with, I mean, on the last ball. They needed one of one. It was, a, it was really, um, it was a really interesting, really dramatic, dramatic uh, final few overs there. Uh, so India ended up winning by four wickets. But an absolutely brilliant match. 
yeah, it was last over like 16 off six needed. Then there was a uh, Hardy Paddy got out, and then there was uh, I think some run scored by Virat Kohli. Then Dish Kartik got out, stubbed. So then they needed like uh, I think they were they were needing, and then it was getting really tight. And they were like, uh, I think it was like three off two off one, two off uh, two off two off one or something. And there was a wide ball by Nawaz, and then there's uh, Nawaz, who's a left arm spinner, bowling the last over as well. That we'll talk about that. It was just really chaotic, and you know, it it was a really good thing. It was just because you know, every, everyone, pretty, I think most people would have written off India when they needed fifty off twenty, and and considering they were only chasing one fifty nine, it shows that how how good Pakistan had had to have bowled to me that they needed fifty off twenty, and how how much they've slowed India's run rate down by. You know, it it was it was really good, and I think this. The what's so interesting about this match is that both bowling attacks really had a slight, quite a different story. India sort of used their lack of not what I mean, their bowlers aren't as far, nowhere near as fast as you know the pastry of uh, Pakistan. You've got Harris Wauf, uh, Nasim Shah, Shaheen Shah, Freedy, who you know all could hit ninety miles an hour. So, but they had a lack. Of, they used their like bowlers who weren't as fast but then more canny and they managed to reduce Pakistan and Pakistan managed to completely blow the Indian batsmen out of the water you know with their extra explosive pace and it was like two different stories but yeah I, I so in terms of um uh, bowl, uh batting wise for Pakistan you know 159 for eight who were the key performers and, and how do you think it did yeah so obviously you know I just want to point out that neither of Rizwan and Barbara Azim, two of one, the, two one, um, two of the best batsmen in the world, um, both of them got up pretty quickly, and still Pakistan uh managed to make one fifty nine, which is quite impressive. Um, in the middle they had Shah Masood and Iftikhar Ahmed, a very vital partnership. Um, Iftikhar Ahmed, he scored. He he was in the middle there. He smashed Alkaf Patel for I think twenty twenty run over. Um. And he ended up getting a fifty-one from the from thirty-four, so really good innings. And then Sham Su sort of made sure that he was at the other end, so people could re- other batsmen could rely on him. Well, everyone just played around him throughout the innings, and he ended up uh, not he ended up not out on fifty-two from forty-two balls. And then we had you know other comp- contributions around him, Shaina Freedy, a main one, you know, sixteen off eight, a good cameo there at the end. But overall, it was a I mean, I wouldn't say it was a, it was a decent innings from Pakistan. Uh, apart, just apart from that, the, the start, I think Pakistan batted really well. Um, and just also, if Barbara Azam and Rizwan, if they fired, then you know, that score could have easily been, you know, 180, 190, perhaps even 200. So I think Pakistan batted quite well. Honestly, I'd say the opposite. You know, it shows that without without having, um uh, without the, uh, without, Barbaraz and Rizwan firing, they can't hit 180, 190 regularly, and and I think that it's just it's just highlighting their dependency again. You know they're really dependent on um uh Barbaraz and Mohammad Rizwan for runs, and the middle order this time you know showed a bit more strength, but we know that they have had a traditionally weak middle order, so you know this wasn't too surprising. But I, I thought I, I I sort of expected more in a way. I I really I don't know. I felt like they could have done they you know if you know, I think they could have done better than they did. I, I think that's fair to say. Um, but yeah, I think I think overall, I think that you know Pakistan really needs to make sure that middle order can you know sort of withstand any collapses and stuff. And I think you know in this type of match, one sixty is enough. But you know, go if you're playing other teams and it's um 
and you know, and you, you can't rely on your bowling attack always. You know, with without Pakistan's you know pastry and, and just generally out their bowling attack, they would have really struggled to to defend one fifty nine. I think that's I don't think it's enough. And we we I mentioned uh, you know last um controversies um I think they're they're actually there 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 were actually two in the last over. The first was um there was a waist high no ball uh ball to I think it was Virat Kohli. Uh, I think it was by Mohamed Nawaz in the last over, yeah, and and it was uh th- there was a question um you know was it was it actually no ball? Say what is your take on the incident? Well, see, see the rule is that when the ball if the ball is above the waist height, then it's a no ball. But that applies when the ball is at the pop increase. So you obviously you know most of the time you'd have to sort of um you know, uh, just just assume where the ball would be. Um, you know, based on the angle and Virat Kohli, he was like at the edge of his crease. I think like maybe a, an inch out of his crease. Um, and he his arms were fully extended. You know, his whole body was extended towards the towards the ball, and you know, it was the ball was like a meter from the pop increase. And when and where he made contact, it was I think about in line with the waist, maybe slightly higher. And I think that's why they called it a no ball. But actually. I'm pretty sure that was not a no ball, um, because if that ball continued travelling to the crease, then I think it probably would have been below the waist height. But I mean, I think maybe the umpires could have, you know, maybe referred to the third umpire because he obviously has all the technology, so he can check, um, you know, just quickly just check where if it was actually no ball. Would you agree with that? Do you think? Do you think they the umpires could have taken a little bit? Of time just to uh, make sure that is the correct that is the correct decision decision also considering you know it's India Pakistan you've got ninety thousand people in the stadium um do you think they could have checked with the third umpire see my my real question actually is that you know, was it I thought it was when it when Virat makes contact with the ball whether it's above his uh weight whether it's above his waist is that is that wrong I thought it was you know when because he you know obviously he made contact with the ball way in front of him and when the ball hit his back. It was above the um. It was above his waist, so therefore it's a no ball. Um, I'm. I mean, I think I read somewhere. I mean, it might have been false information, but I think I read somewhere that it's from the pop increase. Uh, I mean, I'm not really sure. I mean, it's it's how you get. It's like it's a big controversy. Um, I think uh, I, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm pretty sure. I think it's from. Because if if someone has come down the wicket or something and then made contact there, then that can't really be no ball because they've, I mean, they made contact from way from quite far away from mm. where the ball would have actually landed. So I think I'm pretty sure it's from like if the ball would have actually carried on to to the crease, then I think it's there when the waist height no ball should be checked. Yeah, I think so. I think. I think either way, you just gotta be careful with these type of things, regardless of where it is and whatever match. You just gotta be careful, and ch- there's no harm in checking, right? There's no harm in checking. But in the end, the umpire's decision is the is the decision, so you can't really do much about it. The last con- contra- uh, controversy that we're going to talk about, and it's the um, uh, it's an it's another interesting one. And this one probably even had a it would have a more significant impact. There was a a free hit uh, after a no after this no ball uh ball by Nawaz. He bowled a wide, so it carried on. And then the free hit, Nawaz, uh, obviously in a free hit, you know, the Virat Kohli, Virat Kohli's facing, the, there could only be a run out. They couldn't, they, even if you're bold, caught, LBW wouldn't be out. Um, He was bold, Virat Kohli. 
But then the ball deflected off the stumps and went down to the deep third. Then Virat Kohli and Dinesh Kartik ran three there. Uh, or is Virat Kohli and um, Ravi Anyway, uh, they ran three there because obviously someone had to go fetch the ball. Is that allowed? Do you, do you think that's fair that Virat Kohli and uh, Virat Kohli, they ran three? Um, there, even though, you know, technically it's deflected off the stumps. Could the ball have been called out of uh, play and then been called as a dot? Or do you think it's fair that Virat Kohli ran three? I think, I mean, no one's really at fault there. Um, I think, is it in the rules? So it is allowed. But I, I, I think it shouldn't really be allowed. I think if it's a free hit and the ball, um, you know, I think the moment the ball either hits the keeper's gloves or if it hits the stumps or maybe if they're, you know, they're running and then it hits it hits the bat or something happens. Um, I think after at that point, it should be called, not a dead ball, but it should be called, um, that the ball's out of play, and hence it's uh, in that case would be a dot ball. I think that should be the rule because, I mean, it reminds me of the 2019 World Cup with when the ball hit Ben Stokes' bat and went for four. I mean, there the difference is that first he went for four, and also you know Ben Stokes didn't run, so uh, he 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 didn't run there. And here here obviously you can't blame Coley and I think it was Dinesh Kartik. Can't blame them because you know they obviously want to win, um, so they take every opportunity available. But I think. It, re- it shouldn't really be allowed. I think it should be called uh, out of play. And hence, I think that should shut that ball. I think it should really be a dot. Yeah, I, I think it's fine because the instance like this happened before, and it's not, it's only really in scrutiny because it's quite a high profile game, right? It's, it's, it's a, it's very, you know, it's a quite important game as well. But it's happened before, and I don't think, you know, I don't see it, there hasn't, there hasn't really been an issue about it. So I, I think it's, I think it's all right. But I think it's just, we know that you've got to really be, um, careful about these type of things and I think there needs to be more clarity on it but yeah I think overall the first four games have been really good we've had uh, Australia New Zealand which is a big upset you know New Zealand uh, de- defeating Australia by 89 runs uh, with England Afghanistan uh, where England um, you know sort of cruise but more like sort of stumbled to a win I'd say they didn't really they weren't looking at their fluent best of the batting but their bowling was excellent to, re- to restrict Afghanistan to 1-1-12 with uh, Sam Curran's 5-10 Sri Lanka uh, versus Ireland. Um, we we didn't really talk. I don't. We didn't really talk too much about it. But um, uh, they did. Um, Kusar Mendes uh scores uh his second fifty in a row. Um, Sri Lanka um uh, sauntered to a win with five overs to spare. I think. And then our last game, which is India Pakistan, the highlight of them all. You know, very tense finish. India winning. Uh, some controversy there. Uh, with um uh, no ball and uh, running on the on the free hit. But uh, overall, it was a really good match. So I think we've had a good weekend and uh, it's been a good weekend of cricket. 